In the name of the crucified and risen Christ. Amen. Please be seated. So Jesus told them a parable, which frankly was pretty straightforward, even obvious. This was pretty much common wisdom, as we heard in the reading from Proverbs. We all know eventually, don't just go sit yourself down someplace until you know it's actually the seat you're supposed to be in. I'm pretty confident this is why we have name cards for weddings and other big events. You know, you don't want someone thinking they're more important than the groom's first cousin or whatever, and then being embarrassed. So Jesus gives this advice, don't go sit up at the head table. Start lower down, maybe you'll get lucky and be invited up. Straightforward advice, pretty obvious. It's the second part of the gospel that throws off his host, probably actually offended his host since he was an invited guest, but it also throws us as well. Jesus has come and before he's even seated, he suggests that we who may find ourselves in the position of being a host need to rethink our guest list. We're not to invite just our friends, our relatives, or business partners, or prospects, not those who can and will repay us, or those who might prove to be lucrative contacts. Instead, we are to invite those who can offer us nothing in return, the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And it's not just that such guests cannot repay us. Some will need special accommodations to even participate. The blind won't even be able to see or appreciate the magnificence of our table. I'm sure that the host was shocked, and I know that we all think, that sounds great, and it's not what I do. The fact is, when I throw a luncheon or a dinner, I invite my friends, I invite colleagues, I invite people who I think might be of help to the church. We all do that, and we think nothing of it until we encounter this kind of a parable. We just don't do it. Except I would suggest that as a church, we do something akin to this. Consider a few things. Twice a week here, we have a community meal on Tuesday and on Friday, and for those meals, we throw the doors open to anyone who needs or wants to join us for that meal. Now, the shorthand around here is that those are meals for those who are homeless, but that's not actually quite right. There are certainly people who are homeless there. There are also people who are working very hard in jobs but don't make enough to afford both rent and food. There are some senior citizens whose fixed incomes are also stretched too thin. And there are people who just want the fellowship. We don't ask. We just issue the invitation, and that's a great thing. We have a ministry with children who have a parent or sometimes parents in prison. 
We not only have events for those children, but sometimes a small group travels up with those children so they can see their parents in prison and actually enjoy some time face to face where they can hug and kiss and connect with one another. We also have lay Eucharistic ministers who go off and take communion to people who are sick or homebound for some other reason. And we offer healing prayer, all of which are ways in which, as we're advised in Hebrews, we get some notion of what it is to be a prisoner, some notion, even when we don't remember because our life is healthy and fine just now, what it is to be sick or alone. We do those things, and I am really glad that we do those things. Those things where the barriers that usually come between us fall down. However, as glad as I am that we offer those programs, the truth is it's a relatively small number among us who participate. And yes, I'd love to see more people join in. So if you want to know more about any of that, get in touch with me or the program associates listed on the back of your bulletin insert. But Jesus didn't suggest that meals or prison visits or healing prayer, he didn't suggest that occasions to which everyone is invited were some kind of specialized ministry, some little niche within the work that we do a ministry to be undertaken by a certain number within his community of followers. He says, as he talks to this host and thereby talks to us, that it's what we are supposed to do, all of us. It's supposed to be how we live our lives. Which is why I want us to think about what we do three or four times every Sunday and every Wednesday morning, we have church. We join in worship. Jesus' followers have done that since the Last Supper all the way up to this Sunday. When we offer worship, as Jesus intended, we actually invite everyone to come. Everyone, those doors are open. The table is set and the meal is offered to anyone and everyone who seeks to follow Jesus. It is such a routine for some of us, though, that I fear we miss just how radical our shared communion actually is. You can find yourself standing in line to come up to a station or to kneel at the altar next to someone you do not know. You can find yourself alongside someone who is much older than you or much younger than you. You can find yourself up here, up there, with someone who's a dear friend or someone who's kind of an acquaintance and maybe someone you don't even like all that much. And you will certainly find yourself with someone with a very different background and life experience or financial situation. We do not choose who we will kneel next to or find ourselves in line with because we are all invited, not by the church, 
though I hope as a church we manage that too, but by Jesus himself who issues that invitation, who is in fact the host. When we gather and when we come forward for communion, we then stretch out our hands to receive the bread of life, the body of Christ. We stretch out our hands like supplicants, like people in need, because every one of us is in fact a person in need. The richest among us, the happiest among us, and the most broken-hearted, every one of us needs the love of God, the forgiveness of God, and the grace of God. No exceptions. As Jesus told us, we do our best to make sure everyone can come in. These steps pose a problem, walk to a station. Walking a problem will take communion to you. Gluten a problem, the body of Christ is still on offer. We just change the flour. Alcohol an issue, then please receive just the bread. It will be enough. Everyone invited. A place for everyone at the table. Now I have to be honest and say that over and over again across the centuries, the church, when we think we're the host, has forgotten this. Forgotten Jesus' expansive invitation and forgotten that our worship is meant to embody it. For centuries, if you were a woman, you were expected to keep your hat on and your mouth shut. For centuries, if you were gay, you were meant to keep that part of your identity under wraps. At some points in the church's history, only the priests received communion because it was thought that nobody else, like the congregation, the people of God, were worthy enough. A stance that proved just how far from Jesus' in intent the church and her clergy were. And it was not very long ago and could still too often be said now, along with Martin Luther King, that Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the week. We don't always get it right, but we keep seeking to open the doors wider. And when we do, we need to recognize just how extraordinary our regular practice of worship is so that we will continue to extend the invitation as widely as we can, inviting our friends, for sure, please invite your friends to come to church, but inviting people we might otherwise not think of. The other thing, though, that we need to know is as expansive as we seek to be here, we are never meant to let what happens here stay here. It is supposed to inform all we do when we go out through those doors. We are meant to take that expansiveness outside and replicate it in the world. To remember that every person we encounter, maybe the person stocking the shelves in the grocery store, or the cashier in some other place, or the business improvement district workers who are up inside Madison Avenue and other avenues in our city, 
our people Jesus also invites. People Jesus considers the blessed who always need to be welcomed in. Now they may well already know that, and I am confident that many of those people actually do. But we sometimes forget, sometimes forget. And we need to think back about our hands outstretched and who is with us when we receive communion and know that there is a place for absolutely everyone at God's table. So I invite us all this week to consider our routines, to reconsider the power of what we do here each week and take it with us. Consider the person or the persons we encounter in our daily life and see how in word and in action, you might stretch out your hand and open your heart, knowing that what we offer and what we receive is Jesus himself. Amen.